the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Healthcare Now, paid for by Integrated Physician Network. This program is recorded to air at this time. Healthcare premiums through the roof. So much to think about when it comes to healthcare. Who do you talk to? Where do you go next? Well, we've got your answer to navigating the healthcare world. Welcome to Healthcare Now with host Mark Chea, Larry Jones, and from Orlando Medical News, John Kelly. And now let's head into the Healthcare Now studios. Good morning and welcome to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. We are Central Florida's locally produced, educationally based radio talk show serving patients, providers, payers, and hospital systems. I'm John Kelly, publisher of the Orlando Medical News. Joining me this morning are two of Central Florida's number one healthcare advocates and my co-host, Mark Chayat, MD, and Larry Jones. Dr. Mark is a pediatric surgeon. He has practiced medicine in Central Florida since 1997 and is president of Pediatric Surgery PA. Larry Jones is the Executive Director of the Integrated Independent Physicians and CEO of Independent Healthcare Partners, headquartered in Maitland, Florida. Good morning, Dr. Mark and Larry. Good morning, John. Larry, this... uh, this past week, uh, we received an interesting story from one of our, our audience and, and managed into our value proposition to empower our audience. Um, do you want to share what, what yeah, we learned? we did. Uh, good morning, Dr. Mark. Morning. Uh, you know, we received feedback from a listener this past week regarding a helicopter flight she had from one hospital to another hospital trauma center. Mm-hmm, After mm-hmm. she recovered from her illness, a couple weeks later, she received a $43,000 helicopter bill wow. for the eight-minute helicopter ride she took from one hospital to the other. Yep. Incredible. Obviously, she couldn't pay it, mm-hmm. and the provider ruined her credit. Wow. Wow. Now, that's – I tell you, I know, you know, $43,000, and, and we've talked about some of these outrageous bills that we see that get – I want to. I'm air quoting corrected right. uh, through through contracts. So we talked about a gentleman that was in the ICU and had a over a million dollar bill, and mm-hmm. then then when yep. you look at what the insurance provider or whether it's government based or not actually pays, it's it's a lot less than that. But if you have no coverage, right. if you have nothing, you're you're ready yeah, for the bill. You're, you're yeah. going to get this giant bill. Right. Well, but I it asked just seems kind of crazy yeah. that you know. Yeah. Well, I asked her. I said, "Did you get any itemized on this forty-three thousand dollar bill?" Mm-hmm. And the only itemization was five thousand dollars for gas. Wow. So it costs five thousand dollars to run a helicopter for eight minutes. You know, my helicopter is a lot more. In- no, I don't. I don't but uh, no, no, I don't make this a laughing matter. Yeah. But no, no it, that's the not. kind of thing in healthcare, and and it goes back to: are are you going to be paying me my charges? Are you going to yeah. be paying me some yeah. contracted rate? And it just doesn't make any sense. We yeah. don't do business like that in no. any other no. business. Exactly. So it, it, it's not sensible. What, whatever the number is, yeah. it's not sensible. You're right. And I did some research on medical debt, mm-hmm. and I found out that, the, that on average, 60% of Americans have experienced medical debt 
between five and ten thousand dollars. Sure, and when you think about what our high deductibles look like now, yeah. I mean, you know, you used yeah. to have a three hundred dollar deductible, one hundred fifty dollar deductible. Now they're three thousand, five thousand, twelve thousand. Right. So, any anyone who has commercial coverage is certainly going to be in that kind of right. debt if they need any type of care. And you know, we keep talking about the uh, No Surprise Billing Act. Mm-hmm. Well, they're actually. There is some legislative help coming, but I'm not sure that it would assist in this uh, patient that called in. Uh-huh. Uh, it's called the No Surprise Act, right. which was signed into law in December right. of 2020 and goes into effect not until 2022. Yeah, yeah. No, that was one of those midnight laws that did yeah. get through. But, yeah, tell, tell the yeah. audience a little yeah, bit about what that does Yeah, the law requires cover. health insurance providers to cover surprise bills at in-network rates, not out-of-network rates, which can be four or five times more. Right. And balance and bans balance billing and out of network providers from charging patients for excessive fees. Right now, you'd have to dig into the details. Whether but or that's not just the, the overview yeah. of the law. Yeah, and I would think yeah. that 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 the helicopter thing probably does come into play there, especially if it was between yeah. a hospital that was the same hospital system. Right. But a lot of this goes back to the responsibility of the hospitals to care for somebody who shows up on their doorstep, and that is a law. Triage is a law. Triage is a law. That's right. And then the, the, and that sounds great. I don't think anybody would deny that that's something that should happen. And, but the second part of the law wasn't ever written on, well, yeah, but what's that going to cost me? Exactly. And so this addresses that, that piece to some extent. But I fear that it's going to be till 2022 before we even know if this is broken. Right. And, you know, it seems to me there's got to be some accountability with these, uh, surgical flight, these uh, trauma flight systems, whether it's plane or helicopter, $43,000 for an eight-minute ride, that just seems very excessive. Yeah, that that seems a little crazy, a little crazy. Well, Larry, the the transportation was to a uh, level one trauma center, correct? Correct. From a local community hospital to a level one trauma center. Yep. Yep. So, and and to be sure, that wasn't the end of the billing, right? Oh, not (laughs) at all. That was purely the beginning. But I just wanted to bring that out. Yep. Uh, let's let's uh, kind of go back to where we left off last week, right. Dr. Mark. Yep, yep. Uh, we started talking, uh, having a conversation about who's targeted to run our national health care programs under the Biden administration. Correct. And we had identified six key physici- p- positions right. that are appointed Not by physicians, positions, positions, which is important. <laughs> That's right. Uh, in fact, very few of them are Two. physicians. Two. Yeah. <laughs> so why don't you start out? I know that we had started it last week, but let's kind of start over. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So the HHS secretary is Xavier Becerra. So uh, Mr. Becerra was the Attorney General of California, uh, actually uh, to, to the time of, I think he still is, from 2017 until now. Um, he was previously a member of the U.S. House of Representatives. Uh, he was the chairman of the House Democratic Caucus from 2013 to 2017. And he worked, uh, you know, he worked in the Obama campaign. He worked in the Obama exactly. White House, and he was involved in... Things like he'll be dealing with as secretary, right? But uh, I, the the but I have is that it's sort of the beginning of the theme here is that we've seen these same individuals before, yes, uh, during the Obama administration, and not here to criticize that organization or that association, but Obamacare is was the big problem those many years ago. Yes, it still is today. Still is today. So bringing back folks that, and we'll talk about some other yeah. folks yeah. that are uh, are not new, uh, right. that do not have new ideas, sure. uh, and that built the system that didn't work, 
I, I question that a bit. Yeah. Well, you know, not to get into the details, but as we all know, the average deductible on an Obamacare ACA program is $8,000. Right, right. And who can afford that? Yep. But, you know, aside from HHS Secretary, Mr. Becerra, there are two assistant secretaries that also go along with HHS. Right. So why don't you talk about yep. who the Surgeon General is going to be? Well, yep. Larry, before we jump in there. Can no, not you, Surgeon General. Yeah, no. yep. can, can you mm-hmm. define what the HHS Secretary's responsibilities are for our audience? I can. In fact, uh, it's quite interesting, uh, the responsibilities that uh, this one person who happens to be a lawyer and a politician, HHS secretary, is responsible for HHS, the CDC, Centers for Disease Control, National Institute of Health, the Drug Administration, the DEA, CMS, CMMI, and the Federal Drug Administration. With such vast responsibility, Dr. Mark, should one person be responsible for all that? No, and he does have, and they do break it up a little bit into assistance, but back to, you know, what you're saying. It's yeah. like, this is this is a huge position, and someone who has spent their life as a attorney and a politician. Yeah. I believe other than defense, it's the largest uh, department in the federal in the gov- government. Federal government. Yeah. So one of the assistants is, is the t- title is actually Assistant Secretary of HHS. Now, so if we're going to go through uh, like like our uh, sports ratings at the at the beginning of a sports year, um, I'm going to I'm going to give this uh, a thumbs up for for two reasons. Dr. Rachel Levine, uh, Dr. Levine is a a physician, an actual mm-hmm. practicing experienced physician, yes. and B is new to this system. This is a job that will be new to her. Uh, it will be unique, and I'm hoping that she brings uh, new and interesting ideas. Uh, she's one of the few openly transgender government officials in the United States right. and will be the first to, to hold a position such as this. So it's pretty exciting. She's, uh, she uh, resides uh, from Pennsylvania. Uh, she's been involved in medical government resources in Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. and I think that she's going to bring a lot to the table. My concern is is how loud her voice will be heard because you know physicians tend to be sort of sidelined, right. because after all, it is Washington and, and it is politics. And she oversees? Yep, she's going to oversee uh, the OASH, uh, or uh, I'm sorry, she's the OASH, oversees mm-hmm. the Department Keys Public Health Official Programs, kind of like the the CMO, the, the Chief Medical Officer exactly. yep. of the organization, which takes you to the next person, which is sort of the other side right. of HHS. right. And again, that uh, again, you've got the assistant secretary, and then you have the deputy secretary right. of HHS, which is nominated as Andrea Joan Palm. And you're right; this position is more of the CEO Correct. of HHS, where Dr. Levine is the kind of the chief medical officer. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, Mrs. Palm is an American government health advisor. She was the U.S. President uh, Biden's nominee for this position, pending Senate confirmation. Most recently, Ms. Palm served as secretary-designee of the Wisconsin Department of Health Services from 2019 to 21 uh, in the administration of Governor Tom Evers. She previously worked as a senior staffer at HHS and a White House policy advisor during the Obama administration. And she was also an aide to Hillary Clinton during her time in the United States Senate. Right. So here's somebody who... It's sort of a balance, right? And I don't expect all six of these positions to be filled by physicians. 
though I wouldn't be upset if they were, I suppose. But uh, so she comes from an angle of great experience in this in this area. And though she was involved during the Obama presidency, not at the same level she is now. So my my hope would be that maybe this is someone who can be one step away from what Obamacare started as and seeing what it can become. Right. All right. Great conversation so far this morning. Um, if you have questions regarding the Biden administration's health care leadership, please join the conversation at 407-701-7424 or healthcarenow at orlandomedicalnews.com. We'll be right back. Dr. Thomas, please report to the ICU. In every healthcare facility, there's an invasion underway. Pathogens are entering, colonizing, and infecting patients and caregivers, causing extended stays and readmissions. Many pathogens come in on shoe soles, grabbing a free ride into patient care areas and other sensitive locations. That's why there's Healthy Soul a UVC-powered medical technology that in just eight seconds kills up to 99.99% of the dangerous pathogens on the soles of footwear. The same effective UVC technology that decontaminates whole rooms can now target shoe soles. Independent clinical studies and lab testing prove it. Add healthy sole to your infection prevention practices today. Stop pathogen spread in its tracks. Healthy Soul. Visit Healthy Soul. That's healthy, S-O-L-E dot com today. Smart prevention, fewer pathogens, healthy soul. Are your annual wellness visits 60% completed? Medicare requires 60%. ThoughtSwift provides a turnkey solution, reducing AWVs 5 to 20 minutes. Software-generated care plans, providing patient conversations and billing codes. Improving macro, MIPS, and HEDIS. Net $125 plus per AWV. Interested? John Fogarty, 609-605-6859, 609-605-6859. The Integrated Independent Physicians Network, preserving and protecting the independent practice of medicine since 2015. Join the movement with us, ipnetworkflorida.com. Orlando Medical News, Central Florida's primary choice for professional healthcare news since 2005. Interested? Check out our website at orlandomedicalnews.com or give us a call at 407-701-7424. Welcome to Healthcare Now. Welcome back to Healthcare Now. We have a very special guest this morning and a friend of both Larry and Dr. Mark. She is a dynamic force in the evolution of Central Florida healthcare. Larry, will you introduce our guest this morning? Delighted to. I'd like to welcome Dr. Deborah German, Vice President for Health Affairs and the Dean of the College of Medicine for the University of Central Florida at the Health Sciences Campus at Lake Nona. Dr. German, we are so pleased to have you on Healthcare Now this morning. Thank you so much for taking time to be with us today. Thank you, Larry. It's a pleasure to be with you. You know, you've been the visionary and driving force behind the UCF School of Medicine, and now this month saw the opening of the new UCF Lake Nona Medical Center. Tell us how this all came about. Well, um, you know, every 
medical school that aspires to be a, a top-tier medical school has three very important missions, research, patient care, and education. And really, all three of those have to go together to train the highest quality doctors. And our goal was not just to build an ordinary medical school, but to build one that would anchor a new medical city and bring economic impact to Central Florida. So a part of that vision, after building the education program and getting the research going, was to work on the clinical aspects of the um, medical school. And that would include uh, a practice and partnering with all the private practitioners here in our community and a teaching hospital that would work with and partner with the existing hospitals in our community. So that's that's the reason. And we looked for partners. We came uh, into being at a time when there was a certificate of need. And so there was a clock ticking, and we asked uh, partners that wanted to work with us to submit plans and through a very lengthy process that included the Board of Trustees and others, uh, we selected our partner and began the construction of our teaching hospital. Wonderful. You know, over the past few years, uh, as I've gotten to know you more and come to understand about your vision for the Lake Nona Medical City to become a global health care destination, can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. Um, all of us in this country know that if, if we ever get sick and, and for some reason our own community is unable to take care of us, immediately several places in the nation come to mind where we say, maybe if I go there, they'll be able to take care of me. And those are the highly recognized academic centers that exist in our country. And Florida should have one. And we should build it right here in Orlando. And the reason for that is we're already a global destination. We have an right. airport that is the busiest airport in the state. And so with the Lake Nona project and the medical school, we are the perfect candidate. All of us who practice and deliver health care here in Orlando should be part of this endeavor uh, to build something that will attract people from all over the globe to come here and get their care. Hey, Dr. Gerben, I'm going to I'm going to jump in too. I tell you, we talk a lot week after week about how fortunate we are here in Orlando to have some of the things you just mentioned, especially, you know, a robust medical community and I couldn't support that uh, that global healthcare endeavor more. I did want to touch on specifically the medical school, just give the listeners some facts. I mean, I can can tell you that uh, it's a very, very exciting place to visit, and I've had lots of opportunities to spend time out there, but I'd love to hear you describe it a bit for our listeners. Well, our medical school is, uh, was, was born uh, in, in 2006. Our first class matriculated in 2009 and were graduated in 2013. Uh, we have almost 800 medical graduates to date. And we are, um, we rank in the top quartile uh, in almost every year in the top quartile. That means the top 25% in our students' uh, performance on the licensing exam when compared to all the other students across the nation. 
And our match rate, that is getting students into residencies when they finish their training, is much higher than the national average in every year. So we feel like we've built an excellent medical school. The uh, research branch of our medical school is doing well. Uh, Over the time of our existence, we've brought in uh, almost $200 million to our community, and more than half of that been in NIH awards. So our research is growing. We want to grow it more. Um, and now our clinical care, uh, last uh, last year in, in fiscal year 20, our, our little practice saw um, uh, 38,000 patients. And if, if we included our partnership with all of our private physicians, we're probably involved in the care of almost everybody in Central Florida because we have more than 2,000 volunteer and affiliated faculty. Right, and that's been a big part of your plan since day one. Tell me about where where the medical students come from. What are you seeing? You know, I know know that beginning class was a very special class, and what have you seen since then? Yeah, um, you know, all state schools are um, born to create more doctors for their state. And uh, so most state schools will take largely um, state residents. Our medical school was born to provide economic impact. The governor said, we want economic impact from this medical school. And so that has a slightly different um, meaning because we need to be nationally known so we are uh, we take students from Florida, usually about three quarters of the class from Florida, but we take um, a quarter of the class as um, talent uh, allows from outside of the state as well. And we want our students to be competitors not only statewide but nationally. Got it. So I'll shift gears a little bit. You and I have had conversations about our local physicians supporting the medical school and keeping that higher percentage of medical graduates in Central Florida. What are your thoughts on this? I mean, has your vision and the reality, is that working in the same direction or even if you want to share challenges that you've seen in this process? Yeah, I think that's a really important question. It's a little bit complicated, but I think I can simplify it. So the medical students train here in Florida. And then they go through a match, and the match is national. All of the programs across the nation put their names in the match. So there's really no medical student in the country who would be able to limit themselves um, uh, to one state unless they, they chose only to rank schools in that state, and then they might risk not matching if, if those schools didn't didn't want the student. So what we've done to increase the number of um, physicians who will practice here is to build residencies because a residency is the last stop of a person's training. And so when a person finishes their residency training, they're very likely to stay where they are or somewhere close by. And just to give you a sense, we have already built almost 500 residency slots. And that is more than any of the other hospitals here in Central Florida. Um, In early on, that was a challenge, right, Dr. German? Yes, it was a challenge. But if you think about it, 
our medical school trains 480 students, right? That's 120 per class. We graduate 120 per year. We have almost 500 residency slots. So we've made more um, opportunities for physicians, not only our own medical students, but medical students from other states to come here to Florida. And by building these residency programs, we're helping Florida become a net importer of physicians. And when we started to build this medical school, the data showed that we were a net exporter of physicians, meaning that we train them here, and then they do their residencies in some other state because we didn't have lots and lots of residencies here, and then they'd end up staying there. So one of the things I'm very proud of is the number of residencies that we built and our ability to train doctors right here who will stay right here. So what, I don't want to put you on the spot there, but it, listing just for our listeners, what residency programs have uh, have you built up so far? Okay, let me see if I can um, I should have I should have told you to pull up. out the list. I mean, that, that was kind of unfair. I apologize. But but while, while you're... You should have. Yeah, while you're looking, you I can share, like, one concern I have because my daughter just matched in California. And so... Based on what you said, I may be getting a lot of frequent flyer miles <laughs> af- after uh, her residency is done. But you're absolutely right. We do tend to stay in an area, you know, where we train. We get to know right. that area and get to be part of the community. So either either know you want to stay there or you never want to come back. Yes, and I'm looking. In fact, Dr. I German, I saw an article recently that it's estimated that 80% of residents stay in their local community where they've trained. Right. Are you seeing that pretty much? Yes, and that's why it's very important to train um, residents, to build residencies at the same time that you build medical schools, if Mm -hmm. if that is your goal, you know, to get more um, more physicians to train with you. And and if you, and again, this is just sort of a, So our listeners have a feel for that, but I know we have, you know, internal medicine, and I believe you have adolescent. uh, Here we go. I have, um, we have anesthesiology, critical care, emergency medicine, endocrinology, family medicine, general surgery, geriatric medicine, hospice palliative care, uh, internal medicine, neurology, OBGYN, orthopedic surgery, physical med and rehab, psychiatry, rheumatology, and transitional year. Terrific uh, information, Dr. German. Uh, We're up against a break. Would you be willing to uh, stay another segment with us? Because this is great information for Central Florida. I will do my best. (laughs) Thank you. We'll be right back. And I want to remind our audience, please join the conversation at 407-701-7424 or Healthcare Now at orlandomedicalnews.com. It's not really a long surgery. The recovery time was practically nothing. Pretty much a piece of cake. I look at my scar as my battle scar. You know, I won the battle. Went from death door to I'm me again. I am enjoying life. I can count on tomorrow. Barostim is an option for heart failure patients with reduced ejection fraction. To learn more about the therapy and important safety information, please visit www.cvrx.com. 
In just eight seconds, Healthy Soul UVC kills up to 99.99% of the pathogens on the soles of shoes. HealthySole.com. Smart prevention, fewer pathogens, Healthy Soul. Concerned about COVID-19, MRSA, Candida, C. diff, and more? Healthcare systems across the U.S. trust Curis disinfection systems to protect patients and staff. Curis delivers high-level disinfection products for hospitals, surgical centers, clinics, physicians' offices, and dental suites. Curis means disinfection. Go to CurisSystem.com, C-U-R-I-S-S-Y-S-T-E-M, or 1-800-928-8708. Mark Chayot, MD, practicing pediatric surgeon since 1997, working with Central Florida's premier hospital systems and outpatient surgery centers, providing unparalleled patient care and leveraging the latest in medical, technology, and education, accepting all major insurance. 407-228-4774 or visit orlandopediatricsurgery.com. Looking for affordable or professional video, differentiating your business from competitors, brand, improving online presence about me or professional videos. Sakatafilms.com, 407-860-3035. Well, we've got your answer to navigating the healthcare world. Welcome to Healthcare Now. Welcome back to Healthcare Now and our guest today, Dr. German. MD, Vice President of Medical Affairs for the University of Central Florida. Dr. Mark, you want to continue? I do, I do. No, I think that uh, we covered some really great stuff. I want to give you a chance to sort of uh, talk and brag a bit, if you would. Uh, What sets UCF School of Medicine apart from other medical schools in the country? Wow. Well, I I would say, first off, our community um, and UCF itself for a new medical school to be born in the community with the talent that we have here in Orlando and the strong uh, support of a science and technology-based university like UCF is, is for me, a dream come true. So, so that. But we've been able to attract extraordinary faculty uh, to come here and teach our students, uh, our, the scientists, that we have attracted are extraordinary. And the care that we're able to deliver uh, through our little practice, UCF Health, and through our partnership with the physicians who are here in the community um, is growing stronger and stronger. So we have a lot to be proud of. And when we compare ourselves to most of the new medical schools in the country, we are a more research Based than many because of the uh, of the talent that was here when we arrived and the, the high level talent we've been able to recruit. Yeah, you know, you mentioned UCF Health, Doctor German. You know, UCF Health joined our IPN network a couple of years ago, and now I think you're up to 32 physicians in those two sites now, and we uh, have helped. Uh, get you a lot of the Medicare and commercial contracts and I uh, think you should you guys should be thriving now we are uh, we are really uh, coming into our own mm-hmm. uh, I think today is doctor's day yes and uh, we are very proud of the doctors that we have and I hope 
that we will be able to grow uh, UCF Health and our partnership with all of the other physicians in our community. And if we can do those two things simultaneously and successfully for all of us, I think we'll be uh, we'll be doing exactly what we need to create that global destination because we all need to refer patients to one another. Right, and I think that you know that connection to the community is is huge. I think the the pieces that you look for, like you and I, have traveled and seen countless medical schools, really. And I can tell you from my experience in being at at UCF, uh, the the facility itself beautiful is, facility, is amazing. Yeah. yeah, it's really I you know I if someone walked in and said that was the number one facility in the country, I would not argue that a single bit. I mean, it's just gorgeous. It was so well thought out. Um, there was community partnership bringing that out of the ground. And then, as Larry brought up, you know, our, our association uh, with UCF and IPN is another mm-hmm. really good policy that I, I'd like to see spread you know, further, further around in this community because that yes. is hugely important. And just to share how sincere I am about this community, you mentioned the building and, and how um, fantastic it is. When we started to design that building, we started with uh, an architect that was world-renowned and not from this community. And after watching what that architect did, we had to let him go. And we turned to someone who was here in our community to do the work. And it's right. been amazing. It's yeah. a beautiful facility, no yeah. question. Fantastic. Well, tell us a little bit about the, or a lot, about the new teaching hospital. And I will admit that Larry and I said three weeks ago that we needed to show up and go check it out before we got you on the air, and (laughs) we failed miserably and did not get out there, and I promise we will soon. But tell us about the teaching hospital. Well, the teaching hospital is also something um, of a dream come true. We, um, We had some fantastic architects who had built many, many hospitals, created design. And then we took that design and we used um, people who were already employed at one of our local hospitals to come and critique it. And what happened was the users, the people who came to critique it, made all kinds of little changes. And those little changes have made this an amazingly functional hospital. And I'll just share one with you. Mm-hmm. Um, if you come into an emergency room, there's a there's a large, uh, a larger than usual room, which you could call the trauma room, where you know serious tra- trauma patients go in, and there are large teams, maybe working on broken legs, you know. Uh, the, cranial injuries, all on the same person. And usually when a patient's in the emergency room, you have to put them on a stretcher and wheel them sometimes while you're um, uh, breathing for them to uh, x-ray for imaging studies. And when they looked at the plan, imaging was very close, down the hall, around the corner, and the next shop over from the emergency suite. But it just so happened that the CT scanner was on the other side of the wall of the trauma room. And the people looking at it said, what if there was a door here that was closed all the time? 
But when we got a trauma patient, we opened them up and we just wheeled them right into the CT scanner. Now imagine that. Yep. And and when you have a patient like that, time is of the essence. Absolutely. So they're a little, that's just one small thing. And there are hundreds of things like that that were done in the design of this hospital that I think make it extremely user-friendly. The physicians who toured it have told us that they, they think it's extraordinary. And we'll find out. I mean, it's working now. And, yeah. you know, um, once you start using it, you'll find out how it uh, well, we how, we how really look goes. forward to that tour, uh, Doctor Mark and I. Yep. But uh, my understanding is the the hospital opened with I believe sixty four beds, but the opportunity to expand that tremendously over the next few years. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, you know it's it's wise to uh, to to think about uh, a sustainable plan. So we're starting with sixty four beds because initially a brand new hospital won't be full. And we actually can expand uh, immediately to 80 beds. We have enough shelf space to expand to 80 beds. And then we have permission from the um, Board of Governors to uh, expand to 500 beds without further approval. And the design of the hospital is designed for 500 beds. And the expansion and the way that the expansion will take place is already planned into the design of the 64-bed hospital so that when it is 500 beds, it will be seamless and it won't seem like, oh, they added a wing here or, you you know, there's this crooked path that takes you over to this other section. We're, um, we're very, uh, wow. We were very intentional about the plan. I think that that deliberate planning and the input from from the users is tremendous. And when we again talk about our travels and seeing some of these, you know, fantastic medical schools with their teaching hospitals, but they're fantastically historic, and it it can be very challenging for them to keep up with technology. Any any comments about specific uh, technology that you are have already brought in that might be a little different than other hospitals or or intend to? Oh, my goodness. We could spend two hours on the technology. Um, well, or two is, minutes. Your choice. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'll just tell you a couple of things. We have a real-time locating system. Anything that moves in the hospital can be chipped. And so, for example, the thing that everybody talks about is wheelchairs. Um, everyone right. knows that when you discharge a patient, sometimes you can't find a wheelchair. And they're sitting in their room waiting an hour while people look for wheelchairs. The, um, the care providers, the nurses and the techs, will have um, little iPhone-like devices that they use. They type in wheelchair. All of the wheelchairs in that hospital will be chipped. And if there's one hiding in a closet somewhere that somebody hid to, to save for their patients, they'll find it. But, but <laughs> it, it will allow you to locate anything, including the patient. So imagine the patient's family comes into the room and there's no patient there. Yeah, it's disappointing. A, yeah. That's, yes, it is. There's a screen uh, up, up uh, in the patient's room, and it will say, patient is in x-ray. Right. Has been there for 30 minutes. That yeah. screen will also, every time someone walks in the room, uh, their name and their role and possibly their photo will come up, and so you'll know when this person walks in, it's 
the KG tech or the um, x-ray tech or physical therapy. So cool. This is the doctor. This yep. is the nurse. And their name comes up so you can read it. That's fantastic. I mean, and I, I'm just thinking of when the nurses are coming in to give a med or the doctors are rounding and, and it does happen in a hospital. I think everyone who's ever had any experience as a patient or provider knows location is incredibly important. That, that, that is, that is really fantastic. The other thing that it does, the other thing that it does is the last three patients, uh, three people who've entered your room, their names will be up on the screen. So if you wake in the middle of the night and you're not sure if you've gotten your meds, you can look up and see it. And the beds, talk to the patients, they speak six languages, and they are um, they have a lot of prevention features. It's crazy. Wonderful. Yeah. Dr. German, I know we're running real close to out of time, but real quick, just a couple seconds, what message would you like to send to the community about the support and all the great things happening in Lake Nona? I want everyone to support this medical school because it will support all of us, and I invite all of the hospitals in the area partner with us, all of the physicians, we can be one team and we can become the destination for health care by the end of this century. <laughs> it's a Very long well way put. Away. Thank Fantastic. you so much, Dr. Very German, well for joining us today. Thank you for joining us, Dr. German. Um, if our audience has additional questions about the UCF Lake Nona Medical Center, who can they reach out to? They can reach out to me. Okay. Uh, is there a, a, a number or a, a website or an address? Um, the best way to reach, well, the best way to reach me is my email, deb at ucf.edu. Deb at ucf.edu. Thank you so much. Dr. German, we hope to have you on again before too long and continue in your vision of building this global health care de- destination in the Orlando community. Thank you so much for all your hard work. Thank you for having me. Okay. Concerned about COVID-19, MRSA, Candida, C. diff, and more? Healthcare systems across the U.S. trust Curis disinfection systems to protect patients and staff. Curis delivers high-level disinfection products for hospitals, surgical centers, clinics, physicians' offices, and dental suites. Curis means disinfection. Go to curissystem.com. C-U-R-I-S. S-Y-S-T-E-M or 1-800-928-8708. In just eight seconds, Healthy Soul UVC kills up to 99.99% of the pathogens on the soles of shoes. HealthySole.com. Smart prevention, fewer pathogens, Healthy Soul. Life can be challenging even before covid Everyone experiences worry, anxiety, or even depression occasionally. So if you're feeling overwhelmed by stress, isolated due to COVID, are a caregiver to aging parents, or are dealing with any major life transition, Counseling Resource Services can help. We provide in-home and telehealth counseling covered by Medicare. Contact us at 407-654-4433 or visit us on the web at counselingresourceservices.com. Are improved patient outcomes valuable? Improved chronic care management, remote patient monitoring, medication management, all without increasing practice workload or expenses. rx to live provides a turnkey solution. Interested? rx 2 livecom 
or call John Fogarty, 609-605-6859. That's 609-605-6859. The Integrated Independent Physicians Network, preserving and protecting the independent practice of medicine since 2015. Join the movement with us, ipnetworkflorida.com. Welcome to Healthcare Now. Welcome back to Healthcare Now. So much information. But let's pick up uh, our conversation from segment one this morning when we were talking about the leadership uh, in the Biden administration's healthcare programs. All right. As we get started, let's see, we've, we've uh, taken care of HHS and we're going to step mm-hmm. into uh, my next thumbs, thumbs up, my, uh, my number one pick in this draft. And this is Dr. Vivek Murthy. Uh, Dr. Murthy is a physician. Uh, he is also someone who's very familiar with the Obama administration. He served as, uh, as his in, in the same position for, for President Obama back in uh, 2014 to 17. He, he founded a nonprofit called Doctors of America in 2008. Uh, he's the first Surgeon General of Indian descent and was the youngest active duty flag officer in the Federal Uniformed Service while serving. And so I, I assume he's going to be promoted. Very and impressive. <laughs> yeah. he, I've, I've heard him speak he's a number of too. times, 43 yeah. years old, yeah. Yeah. Uh, brilliant, uh, as is his spouse. Uh, mm-hmm. He's married, also married to a physician, and she's, she's from interviews and, and from their pedigree and their resumes. I have, I have great hopes for uh, having him you know, represent this position very, very well. The concern is always the position doesn't have a lot of power. It's more a position of communication. Uh, so the uh, physician here is going to talk to the public as a doctor, representing HHS, representing the government, representing all, all the things that the White House says. And I, I, I guess this was something that was harder to figure out before COVID-19 Before because the pandemic now, and now yeah, you now see the Surgeon see all the General time. on TV all the time. Right. Exactly. So, but I think he's a, he's a tremendously uh, brilliant gentleman and I look forward. I, I hope he's someone that we hear from a great deal. Yeah. Well, we wish him the best of luck. Uh, also let's move over into CMS, the Centers for Medicare, Medicaid services. Mm-hmm. Chiquita Brooks Lashure is an American policy, healthcare policy official who was nominated by Biden to run the, the Centers for Medicare, Medicaid she began her career as a program and examiner and lead and lead Medicaid analyst in the Office of Management and Budget, the OMB. Uh, she also worked as a staffer for Democratic members of the United States House Committee on Ways and Means and then joined the Center for Consumer Information and Insurance Oversight, which is a national lobbying organization, where she was tasked with managing policy related to the Affordable Care Act. So here we go again another Obama administration official, and Brooks LaSure became the managing editor of Manat Phelps, Phelps and Phillips, and she also served on the Virginia Health Benefit Exchange Advisory Committee, and if confirmed, she would be the first black woman to hold this position at CMS. Great. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see what comes forward from uh, previous experiences uh, with Obamacare, you know, with the Affordable Health Care Act, uh, but this is a this is a really important position. Very and, important uh, position. There's, there's always activity at CMS at so many levels. Uh, so 
I mean, I'm really interested to see, yeah. you know, how, how this take care of. We will. This is someone we will hear from. Oh, without a uh, doubt. Over the course Probably of this. you and I'll be in meetings with her before yeah. it's all done. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, uh, not only is she responsible for a huge agency, the policy and decision making that impact physicians and providers right. all over the United States lies in her Absolutely. Uh, domain. And we talk about CMS and how it relates to commercial payers. I mean, it's a, there's a direct relationship on on how things are paid so it's a it's a extremely extremely important important position right and the next position is also with cms but it's the center for medicare and medicaid innovation so the innovation office is going to look at uh at new programs at Correct. new ways to do the funding and so this takes someone with uh uh i don't want to get crazy on the creativity side because it's still a lot of numbers but Liz Fowler, Dr. Liz Fowler, and she's a Ph.D. and a, and a J.D., Ph.D. Mm-hmm. and a, an attorney. Yep. Mm-hmm. She served as the vice president for global health policy at Johnson & Johnson and focused on healthcare delivery systems and payment reform. And we need work on our delivery systems, and we need payment reform. Yep. So this could be something fresh that, that comes about uh, that, that will actually aid in, in how things at CMS are going to go down. Uh, Dr. Fowler was the chief health counsel to the former Senate Finance Committee chair, Senator Max Backus, and also served uh, as vice president of public policy and external affairs while at WellPoint, Inc., which is now Anthem. Mm -hmm. And Anthem should be a name that that we've talked about in the past and and certainly know. So this is going to be another interesting person to follow. And, I mean, quite frankly, I just hope that all of these folks are – names and their actions are something that our listeners and the 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 population get to hear about because it's all you know it's behind closed doors and tremendously important Mm -hmm. for our day-to-day healthcare. well you know uh also under the cmmi program you mentioned that uh, innovative programs the accountable care organizations in all the different formats of models that are out there all are under her umbrella right and currently we have 11 million Medicare beneficiaries that are in accountable care organizations out of the 60 million uh, in America today. Right. And and if we can just sort of jump a little aside. So there have been numerous, numerous, numerous different type of healthcare organizations over the years. So, so Larry, we're not going to like admit our age and say how many of these we've been involved with, but you know, everybody's heard about the HMO, the PPO, the The MSSPACO. We were in it for five years, as you know. And when the, the, Clinically Integrated yep. Network, which is the new hot one, right? The CIN, mm-hmm. Clinically Integrated. I was, yep. at a, I was at a meeting with a bunch of hot shots, and they were boasting about building these CINs. And, and I asked, I was like, so how long do you think this CIN thing's going to fly? And they're like, oh, not long. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's a, so the center of innovation, it's innovation is built into the way medical organizations are, are, are seen it's going to right. change, so I don't, I don't know. Yeah. What's next? You well, know? I, you know, the ACO program started in 2013 mm-hmm. under the uh, Patient Protection Act, right? under the ACA program. And since that time, it's been up and down. I believe today there are 477 Medicare ACOs across the country, and they're in all different kinds of risk models. Right. And, but as you know, the focus on CMS is to taking all Medicare programs to risk. Right, right. For physicians. Right. And so the the whole premise of what Ms. Fowler is going to have to deal with are all these innovative programs. Right. One in particular is it's called the DCE, which is brand new, which starts April 1, which in a couple of days. 
And there are 51 new uh, ACO Medicare DCE programs that are being launched as of April 1 in this country. No, I did not know that. Yeah. No, yeah. So, I mean, that's going to yeah. be just to, to educate. So risk, basically, when a, a group, a physician group says, starts, they're going to take on risk. What they're doing there is instead of saying we're going to get paid a fee for our service Correct. or we're going to get paid a certain amount, but if we if we have better value-based care and we might get paid a little more, right. here it's all about going to, surplus it's going to be and shared fixed, savings. Right, it's going right. to be a That's fixed right. amount of money. Yep. They're going to say you're going to cover 40,000 patients right. and you're going to get paid this amount of money. If you spend more than that, then you owe us That's right. the payer money. That's right. And if you pay less... Then you actually you have more. to put up right. credit lines or surety right. bonds to cover those losses right. in case they're there. And these have been on the yep. West Coast for a long time, but it's not something that has been on the East Coast. Yep. And, and I see all of these different organizations as ways to bring the providers towards risk, yep. like psychologically. Yep. Well, the next-gen model is the one that I believe there's only a handful or maybe two dozen, a dozen or so next-gens across the country. Mm-hmm. And they're the ones that are doing very, very well. Right. But they're single tax IDs and they have control over their billing and coding for all these programs. Right. And that's the big problem when you do take on risk because there are other factors. It's not just the quality of the care that you deliver. There's other things that can come in Mm -hmm. and surprise you. Right. And kind of ruin ruin the whole plan. So, Dr. Mark, we've talked about these six key appointees. Mm -hmm. And is there a trend that connects the background of all these appointees? Yes. Well, there's a person that connects them. (laughs) President Obama connects them. And and again, you know, many, many great things accomplished in uh, in uh, presidencies. But Obamacare and the HCA is is not one of them. And we we need something. We we dramatically need a change in the way that the way the HCA is working. And the, the reason for the HCA was was real. So, yep, that's 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 the trend. That is the trend. And, And, you know, Mark. Dr. Mark, do these appointees really matter? And is it important for Americans to know who's leading our decision-making on the federal level regarding health care? Because health care is a, almost a household word today. Right. They they absolutely yeah. matter, and they'll become more important as I, I talked, as we talked about each one of them, that I wanted to hear from them, right? Mm-hmm. And as we hear from them, they're going to be the folks that are carrying the message to the people that need mm-hmm. the health care need to know what's going on. So, yeah, I think it, I think they're going to be very yeah. important. And if you yeah. if you but if you load the the train with everyone that's all going in one direction, it may not leave much room exactly. for true innovation. I agree. Good conversation. Powerful conversation today, Dr. Larry, Dr. Mark and Larry. <laughs> but it's time to recognize our sponsors and advertising partners who make this program possible. This week's sponsor is Nick DiOrio with Healthy Soul Decontamination. A big thank you to my co-hosts, Dr. Mark with Pediatric Surgery PA and Larry Jones with Integrated Independent Physicians Network. We had a great guest today, Deborah German, MD, the Vice President for Medical Affairs for the University of Central Florida. And last but not least, our important advertising partners, Diana with Cicado Films, John with Rx to Live, April and Mary Catherine with Counseling Resource Services, Raul with CVRX, and myself, John Kelly and the Orlando Medical News. Larry, do you have a final thought for our audience? I do. You know, it's all about what this program and what our mission is in healthcare now. It's take the time to become an informed healthcare consumer. It's one of the best ways to protect your family. See you next week. 
to you guys. Thanks. You feel better now? We hope you do. Join us again next week for Healthcare Now. For a podcast of this program, go to theanswerorlando.com. Medical News, Central Florida's primary choice for professional healthcare news since 2005. Interested? Check out our website at orlandomedicalnews.com or give us a call at 407-701-7424. The Integrated Independent Physicians Network, preserving and protecting the independent practice of medicine since 2015. Join the movement with us, ipnetworkflorida.com. Are you concerned about health care skyrocketing expenses? Monthly premiums approaching $2,000? Out-of-pocket expenses up 50% the past 10 years? Introducing Health Care Now, the truth about U.S. health care. Join the discussion. 7 to 8 a.m. Saturday mornings on AM 950 and FM 94.9. Co-hosted by IPN's Mark Chayot and Larry Jones and Orlando Medical News' John Kelly.